0: Welcome back to Ausfiz, Live from our Barangaroo studio. It's great to have your company for the call, 10 stocks picked by you, that I put to our expert panel. Let's welcome in the panel for today, Mark Morland from Team Invest. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you, Koshi. And our old mate, Scott Phillips, is back from his adventures from Motley Fool, Scott. Where do you go? I've been following you on uh, on your uh, your Twitter and your Instagram and all that sort of stuff. You had a wow of a time,
1: mate. I had a ball. Three and a half weeks, right up the guts, mate. I headed across to Adelaide and then north through Cuparpedi, ended up in Alice Springs via Uluru and Kings Canyon, mate. It was just sensational uh, everyone of your viewers plenty I'm sure have been there if you haven't do yourself a favour jump in a car jump in a plane and get there it is just such a great part of the country
0: yeah yeah it, and the surprising thing is it's flaming big isn't it <laughs> yes. and, and, until yes. until you drive it you have yep. no idea how freaking big this
1: country is it is, mate. I, we didn't get as far as Darwin, but even when you get to Alice, and you realize how far it is just from, just from there to Darwin. You kind of figure, well, it's already in the NT. How much further can it be? We did 7,800 Ks over three and a half weeks, uh, wow. plenty of driving. I got through got through a, a, a welter of diesel. Don't worry about that. But, uh, yeah, mate, it's just just amazing and just, yeah, beautiful country. It's been a bit, a bit wet out there, so a couple of roads were closed, but the flip side was it was greener than you'd expect in the desert. Uh, Wildflowers everywhere, mate. It was just glorious.
0: Yeah, uh, great time to go. And I I was reading yesterday all the waterfalls coming off Uluru at the moment with all the rain going through it. Spectacular. All right, mate, uh, let's get back to earth though with uh, uh, (laughs) what we're doing here on uh, the call today. And the first five stocks this half hour, we're going to take a look at Cooper Energy, EZZ Life Science, uh, Thorny Opportunities, Deep Yellow, and Viva Energy. And the stock of the day now i thought we're doing james hardy instead of united malt um uh do you mind if i change it to james hardy scott go for it, that why not um because united malt the takeovers already um has been um extended so not not much to talk about there um, but uh james hardy uh coming out with an update today the market really liked it um mm. what's your view on on james hardy
1: yeah mate. while we're here i will actually quickly say united malt had approval overnight from the canadian yes. regulators so that is the new news so there. that's all uh, true viewers already caught up with that but if they yeah. haven't that's what's going on there mate uh, hardy's uh, the result was really good and and it kind of should be right we know houses are being built about as quickly as they can be in Australia and the US, at least looking backwards. Um, so I, sometimes I've said this before, mate, I'm surprised the market was surprised. It was a very good result, don't get me wrong. Um, but, I, but I do wonder uh, how, how much more subdued expectations might have been. The thing that I'm frankly keeping an eye on with Hardy's is not the past, but the future as we always should be. But if you think about um, building permits numbers are due out, I think it was today. Maybe they've even been released. I haven't caught up with them yet. Um, that's, the, that's the big one, right? So we know in the past, that people are building houses as quickly as we can get into them. The vacancy rates are tiny, prices are going through the roof. That's kind of been the story in Australia. The US construction market's also pretty good. So uh, it's been a really good time for Hardings. It is the right time to think about the cyclical nature of these businesses, though, because um, when everything's going really, really, really well, a lot of investors going kind to of jump in there and say, oh, thank goodness, things are going well finally. Uh, forgetting that it's a cyclical business, and sometimes you end up with a slump that follows a boom. Uh, I don't dislike the business. You, your viewers know and you know, Koshi. I, I prefer Brickworks yep. in the building materials space, largely for the diversification of of sole pats and uh, and the property business, but also just because it's a really, really well run company. Uh, but made nothing dislike about Hardy's result yep. at all. I just keep one eye on the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and they sort of, just to back you up on that, uh, Scott, sort of earnings came in 20% above market expectations, but they did say that uh, they expected its addressable market in the US to decrease between 5 and 18% uh, in 2023 from, from last year. So they're seeing a bit of a softening in that US housing market. Even so, um, share price, this morning up around 10,
1: 15%. Yeah, and I mean, look, great results. said, so, you know, that, that earnings, As I uh, again, I'm a little bit surprised the market was surprised. You've only got to look at their previous commentary, look what's happening in the market, both here in the US and say, well, what, what else would you have expected? I guess uh, it's always the case of, you know, you don't necessarily bank everything, you'll take some upside, but those investors jumping in this morning after earnings are up, as you say, 20%, and yet they're saying, look, things could shrink between 5 and 80% next year. Kind of feels like yes. uh, people are buying yesterday's news, not tomorrow's. Yeah. It might be fine. The share price might still have enough opportunity in it, given that downturn. Uh, just just be a little bit careful. Whenever you extrapolate uh, cyclical businesses, it is it is a cardinal sin. Uh, just be mindful across the entire cycle of what the underlying earnings power is, not just the headline news. So
0: would you take profits?
1: Yeah, I probably would. Right. Uh, look, I own Brickworks. I'm not selling those anytime soon because I, I think the whole business is, is really you know, worth owning and, and frankly yeah. not particularly expensive. Uh, after that 20% jump in profits and as you said, 10 to 15% jump in the share price today, I don't know how much more upside there is. So, yeah, I would. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mark? Uh,
2: yeah, no, I agree with that. It's a, it's a quality business and it's performed well. It's, all its metrics are good. Uh, passes, um, I think it passes all our filters, yep, passes all, all, our, all our filters. Um, it's on a PE of about 21 as of yesterday. Yep. Um So I'm not sure how that equates now with the uh, new earnings and the. But so it's not it's not a low PE, uh, but its EPS growth rate has actually averaged uh, 20.4 over the last six years with good stability, and their earnings have been growing at about 14%. So that with a very high high stability, so they're actually getting greater profits on the on the the growth in earnings as well, which is a good thing. So right. you've got to say yep. there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's in the green of its PE at the moment, which because James Hardy's always had a, a relatively high PE, I would, I would argue. Um, if you look at the return, we're showing a five year return on our default settings, which is if they can if they can keep growing at the same rate, but they've already warned that their addressable market's coming off. So I think yes. you'd be pretty brave. I, I totally agree yeah. with Scott. Um, but. A conscious investors saying if they keep doing what they're doing, you get about twenty-three percent a year return. Right on default margin of safety is six point eight. Right, so it's probably going to be more likely the to towards the margin of safety, I would think. Right in reality, so it makes it yeah pretty expensive. Yeah, at the moment, and if you if you've had it. Um, this jump in the share price, whether it's going to stay there or come back, you know, it probably is a good
0: time to take some money if you're looking for okay. some. So take some profits yeah, as good, well. It's a good company, though. Yeah, yeah, and solid, one of the few companies that's done a alright in the yeah. US. It's right. expanded. It's, a, it's had
2: a tailwind. Yeah, really. That's the thing. And, and you know, it, it's it's hard to say US is going into recession because everyone's been saying that for a long time now. Yeah. It, hasn't, it hasn't happened. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you would think that on balance, there's more risk of. Uh, impairment than burn sure okay
0: all right let's get into the stocks you want us to take a look at and uh, scott josh wants a view on cooper energy josh says gas seems to be the medium-term partner uh of our future esg energy solutions wondering what the panel thinks of cooper energy of course it uh, Um, has uh, gas from the Otway and Gippsland Basin in Victoria, Cooper Basin in South Australia, basically feed into AGL, Alinta Energy Australia. That's where you you get a lot of your gas comes from. Uh, What do you reckon of Cooper Energy?
1: Uh, Koshy, I think it's a really... Josh positions this question beautifully because he's really trying to look forward and saying, what is the future going to be? Who's going to do well? What's the story look like? I don't... think I would necessarily approach it the same way as Josh has, in the sense that we certainly know very well over the past 18 months, gas is a truly global commodity. So regardless, I think, of the Australian demand specifically, there is always plenty of opportunity to either sell what you've got here or or overseas, and conversely, uh, for Australians to use either imported or local gas. So I suppose there's a big kind of geopolitical, a bit of crystal ball-gazing question as to what does it look like, how do we do it, who funds it? Where does it come from? What price can you get? And your viewers won't be surprised if you come back to this one because it's not – even if that's true, I've said before, over the 20th century uh, – I did some back-of-the-envelope numbers oh, gee, a couple of years ago now um, – and it was something like after inflation, the price of oil something went up about two and a half times over the, over the 20th century, despite the fact that production went through the roof and the demand went through the roof. I should sure put it the other way around because the demand grew but the production grew to match it and you don't get those sort of price increases you're looking for. So here's the thing, even if Josh is right, and I think dare say he will be, at least in the medium term, that gas is the, the fallback energy source. There is no, I guess if you're looking at, say, gas versus coal and you're saying, well, which one do I want to bet on? I guess, at least in Australia, for domestic consumption, I'd be betting on gas versus versus coal. But what will the price be? Will Cooper be one of the successful players? Uh, what does it look like as a, as a long-term opportunity? I think that is the really big question. Trading at 31 and a half times earnings at the moment, um, you've really got to have a sense of not only the volume production over the foreseeable future, but the price at which that volume can be sold and the margin that's left after that. I don't see enough opportunity, enough value in Cooper Energy at the moment, not at that PE. Um, I'm on record of saying you want to be buying commodities. If you're going to, you don't have to. If you're going to, I'd be buying these commodity companies when the commodity price <laughs> itself is low, oil and gas, certainly not that at the moment, and when the share price is also low. And again, I don't think Cooper is at that, mm. that point either. So if you're looking at a risk-reward trade-off, if you've got a very, very high conviction that somehow there'll be much, much more volume coming out of Cooper and at a higher price, then Philly your boots. Uh, but I don't think you can reasonably yeah. draw that conclusion with any degree of confidence. Uh, so I'd be waiting for a much better price on both the oil price, therefore the gas price. Uh, we know a gas uh, is derived from the oil price. And, of course, on top of that, uh, the, the ability to get the production out.
0: Yeah, that is the issue is that when demand goes up, uh, supply uh, comes to uh-huh. me and we're going to talk about the other option, for ESG uranium <laughs> in, in yeah. a little while too. Similar argument but let's wait and see on that. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you th- reckon, Mark? On, uh, on
2: uninvestable Twitter? from our point of view right. and, the, and the reason is uh, it really is not making a profit effectively. Oh, It's got 03 of, uh, of 1% ROE which is you know virtually nothing so right. it's
0: barely, barely over break even. How can it do that when it's got contracts with AGL, Linda Energy Australia and Origin? Well, You'd what it means is that, be it means that their costs,
2: their costs, are eating up what well, right. their revenue is. That's what that means. Right. So yeah. I agree with you. They they have contracts. They've got uh, yeah, allegedly really good resources. Well, then why are they making money now? Yeah. I think using an argument of saying mm-hmm. like, well, ESG energy uh, gas is going to be a big player. It's not. A, you can't use that as a basis to invest in a company because right. it's all about how they convert. Well, are they going to sell the gas first, and they're going to convert it at a profit and and give a return to shareholders at the moment. Cooper hasn't shown any sign of being able to do that, yep. you know, right in the whole history, which is ten years. Yep. Uh, why would you assume it can tomorrow? Mm. Maybe it will. I mean, as yep. Scott said, if the planets align, it'll probably be good. But you know, there's no probability I could put on it. So for right. me, it's it doesn't even remotely um, pass as a uh, decent
0: profitable business. Yep. Because when you when you look at those contracts with those big energy retailers, you go. You automatically think to yourself gee that's just stable income it would be really predictable but no
2: well they are it is stable and predictable probably based on the contract yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean they're making they're making yeah, a profit yeah. on. see what I would rather see is if, I would rather see a history where they were making a good <coughs> profit and then you knew that the volume was going to increase significantly and then hopefully they're gonna make a greater profit based on that then you yeah. can say okay well those probabilities are sort of there now because yep. that's what we're talking about. It's a, it's a game of probabilities. If we're going to invest in this today, what are we going to get over
0: the next five years? Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I'd say, I have no idea. Not much. Yep. Okay. It could be zero or negative. All right. Next doc, uh, Phil wants a view, uh, Mark, on EZZ Life Science. Uh, Phil says, profitable and growing. It's on a massive discount being associated with China. Also, it's auditor seems to have had issues in the past. That's always quite a red flag. Uh, Phil, they're in uh, uh, health supplements uh, to retailers and consumers domestically, internationally, and some branded skincare products as well. Um, what do you reckon of EZZ? Um, it's it's
2: it's pretty small. I think it's 35 million market cap going on, right. memory. So tiny.
0: Um
2: 30 million. And uh, it, it's pretty small. It's only got two years. Right history. So the first year was down, the last year was up. So yeah, uh, there's no there's no history there to be able to draw from. <laughs> when I had a look at the company, they are also, uh, I think they've got about 20 products, but they're also um, getting into longevity, of course, which is that's right. a really trendy area. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, for people so,
0: my age, it's yeah, yeah, yeah and mine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's my wife's favourite subject. <laughs> she wants to keep me alive so I can keep earning money and right, keep working. Yeah. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so really, I. I can't really give you any intel on it because it's, it's not enough, there's no data there to to be able to draw any conclusions from our point of view.
0: It's, it's pretty small. I'm not sure. Liquidity doesn't look very hot there by those blocking. No, no, no. But you look at that. Yeah. It's at a yeah. dollar. You rode it down to 30 cents. Yeah. It's now sort of spiked back up to 70. Yeah.
2: So I, I would put it firmly in the speculative camp. Right. If you, if, you st- if you study it more and you like the story and so on then, and they do have some products and they are selling them, yeah. so, they, so they do have um, revenue, return on equity is over 11, they've got no debt, um, but just too early from our point of view. Okay.
0: All right, Scott?
1: Yeah, I agree with Mark. This is going to be, look, I mean, I've got a background. I used to work for and I was a Blackmores shareholder before it was taken over uh, this week. Uh, and so, you know, there is some, I've got a bit of background in the industry. When you're this small, to Mark's point, if you can become the next big thing, and we know this is a very fat and fashion driven industry, there's every chance that we're talking about this in, in a year's time and the share price has doubled. There's also every yeah. chance the share price is halved. And, and that's, that's why this is such a really difficult one. This is, you know, if you're, if you're an enterprising investor and you're looking for opportunities, saying like what's going to be the next big thing? I think it's the right place to look in this sort of area because it doesn't take that much. You've already talked about the, the hot categories they're in. You land a couple of endorsement deals. You get a little bit you know popular. Think about Swiss, the, the brand Swiss. It was kind yeah. of this nothing brand. All of a sudden, it was this absolute rocket. Now, it wasn't overnight, but it, it really continued to grow over four or five years and, and really challenged blackboards for, for market leadership, particularly in supermarkets back in the day. So these things can happen if you're small already and you do land a couple of those big contracts. Maybe you get a ranging contract with, with Chemist Warehouse or Woolies or something else. Um, These things can really move the dial. So I I think this is one of those situations where if you like the company, if you like the way it's run, if you like the product's, this is one to put on the watch list and keep an eye on it. And if you see some positive announcements, and I'm going to be very clear here, not as you were talking about before, but the way with, um, uh, you know, supply contracts with with people, supply contracts is not enough. Uh, the, the announcement of maybe something possibly happening is not enough. But if you start to see some real volume come through because of a deal with a particular retailer or, or a particular export channel or something else, then you might want to pay some closer attention to see what can happen. You're right about the red flag too, Koshi. Um, remember, of course, you, only, you, you know, every dollar can only be invested once. And so just, just be mindful of, is this maybe the next big thing? Yeah, maybe, but maybe it's not. So you don't have to swing at every pitch to use the, the old Warren Buffett aphorism. Uh, you can afford to simply let things go past until they look attractive enough, and the risk-reward is far enough in your favor rather than just pure lotto ticket type stuff. Literally, hey, I'm seeing the sales come in. I'm seeing profits delivered. I'm seeing it maybe a different auditor or, or a more prestigious auditor uh, uh, you know, appointed and, and they've reported. There's one of those ones I think you want to stick on the watch list if and when you see enough things go in your favor then reconsider investing in it. I don't think you want to invest in it at this point. It's just, it's, it's again, it could be double, it could be half, it could be anything yeah. any, in between or, or further either side of that. Um, there's just no way of, of reasonably predicting what the future sales story looks like for EZZ. So yeah, keep an eye on it, keep it on the watch list if you're interested in it. Um, I think there are many better fish in the sea, quite honestly, but if this one does become one of those best ideas, then you're ready you've done the research you can pull the trigger at that
0: yeah. point uh see so if you're already in it as mark was saying it's only been going for 18 months two years yeah. start a dollar yeah. down to 30 cents and you're going oh my god this is a and and you've <laughs> married the stock you get it's back up to 70 and you yep. start you must be thinking oh god do i get out now on this uh, on this spike out
1: or yep. oh, gee is it turning her out yeah, uh, ask me in a year, I'll know the answer, Koshy. <laughs> but I, I think I think I think you're right. The the idea is looking at saying, well, you know, because here's the thing: you pick pick three companies. Who can grab one each right now, right? And in, yeah, at high conviction ones. In a year's time, at least one of them is going to be down. Almost, yeah. your know, law of averages. Um, maybe permanently. Maybe maybe it's a one off. Maybe temporarily. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I it's yeah. it's not clearly investable for me. And you don't have to keep. What you already own, you don't have to make it back the way you lost it, as they say. Um, I, I would find better ideas. And there are better ideas. We'll talk about some of those today. Yeah. But find those better ideas. And then eventually, if this does become one of your best ideas, then go throw your money back into it. Yeah. Maybe it's a buck. Maybe it's 30 cents again by then. Yeah. Um, but if you're right about the future and it can double or triple or quadruple from a point in time, you say, hey, it's all everything going for it. Normally, plenty of time to get back in before yeah. that happens.
0: All right. Uh, Emily wants to know, Scott, whether Thorny Opportunities is one of the better ideas to uh, put your money into <laughs> at the moment. Of course, Thorny is, was associated uh, to the uh, Pratt family office, wasn't it? It's a listed Great. investment vehicle, um, almost like a, a private equity type group, isn't yeah. it? A lot of start-up and scale-ups.
1: It really is, mate. I've just I've got the top list of top securities here. The companies they own that they own uh, 27% of the portfolio is in one company called Twenty Cashews Proprietary Limited. Then there's MMA Offshore, the old Mermaid Marine, Austin Engineering, Solvar Limited, Southern Cross Electrical Engineering, Service Stream Deckmill, uh, Retail Food Group is in their top ten holdings. As by the way, is Cooper Energy, which we just talked about. So um, mm. it, it, yeah, this is a very remarkably uncorrelated investment uh, with anything else on, on the market right now. You are, you are, if you're buying this one, you're buying it because you believe in the management team's ability to go out there and pick these stocks. Um, it reminds me a little bit, a very different company, very different portfolio, but a little bit of Bailador technology investments. You're, right. you're kind of backing, you're backing management in. Now, maybe you've done independent research, you like the portfolio, but if you like the portfolio, at least for those that are listed, you could buy them yourself. What you're really doing is saying, I'm going to put my money with these people, hope they can turn a dollar into something more than a dollar in, in, in due course. Um, it's really hard, mate. The, the returns have not been. Spectacular. Since inception, they're up 8.32% per annum. Uh, the small odds, which they compare themselves to, was up 7.4%. So it's a, you know, almost one percent over outperformance, which is not too bad. Um, but it's just, it's just a, a very, very difficult thing when you're looking at really large chunks. As I said, uh, almost a third, or just touch over a quarter of the portfolio in 20 cashews. Another 20% in MMA offshore. That's that's half the portfolio in two investments. Mm. So where they go, your money will go. Without without exception, it must by definition go that way. Um, so uh, a couple of ways to do it, either do your research, understand the businesses themselves are invested in, and then choose actively to, to follow that investment strategy, or simply say, hey, I don't know, but the guys at Thorny seem pretty smart, I'll back them in let them have, as you said, mate, a, a private equity style investment inside my portfolio. Plenty of people want to do that, and I understand that absolutely. Um, uh, for me the returns have been all over the place results have been up and down um, hard to draw a straight line through valuation at all for thorny uh the last year i'm pretty sure it was a loss so they've got a, a negative pe which also means you can't use that either it, it, it's it's a it's a big gamble on this one uh, not because they're not, not quality people not because they're not doing their best you're just going to live or die based on a couple of big investment decisions yep. and i don't i don't know those companies are going to be the success stories that Thorny thinks they will be. If Thorny's right, by the way, here's the flip side. Half your money invested in two companies, if they both do well, you're going to do really well. If they both do badly, you'll do terribly. If you split the difference, maybe somewhere in between. Um, That's a really big range of opportunities with a very, very uncertain outcome. I don't think I'll be putting my money there unless I literally wanted to say, hey, I'm going to put aside a portion of my portfolio for that PE, as you say, style investment. I'll let it ride and see how it goes. Uh, But then it kind of gets pretty close to speculation rather than investing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My? uh I think they've done really poorly. Actually, yeah. particularly the last few years, um, in their in their blurb, it says here the company concentrates on producing absolute returns for shareholders over the medium to long term. The primary focus is on the careful selection of investments which will enable it to be a constructive catalyst towards unlocking value. That all sounds great, doesn't it? Well, they have failed on that measure. So, and it's <coughs> to look at it. And I agree with Scott. He, with, I looked at the companies as well, and every every name that came up there, just about all of them, I uh, cringed. Like uh, MMA uh, Mermaid Marine, we actually got burnt on Mermaid Marine yeah. years ago. You know, so it was, it was,
0: well, retail food group. Retail food group. You got is, out just before we the did. collapse. We,
2: we We actually timed that one perfectly. Yeah, yeah. The retail food group is now a massive turnaround story. So Scott's right. It's now down at cents compared yeah. to what it was. So if yeah. they if they turn it around, sure, it could look good. But th- none of these companies are very exciting. Uh, service Stream has been pretty ordinary, uh, Cooper Energy we've already talked <coughs> about, Mesoblast has done terribly. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's it's a pretty motley crowd actually. Right. I, so no, I wouldn't touch them. And if you actually look at their uh, numbers, return on equity last year was negative 2.9, which means they made a loss. Yeah. Um, and their stability is terrible. So we can't even do a, uh, like the earning stability has been up and down like a yo-yo over the last three or four years.
0: Right. Uh, it's just... A okay. No. Not worth looking at. I wouldn't. I'd, um, I'd sell it. Uh, what about, uh, what about Vivia? once um, we were talking about uh, Cooper Energy and, and gases, as maybe a solution to Australia's ESG problems and meeting uh, climate targets. Uranium is the other one that uh, is being mentioned at the moment. Deep Yellow is listed on the market, has uh, two projects in Namibia and one in Western Australia with Uranium. Um, Mark? Uh, same thing. This is a,
2: where, where we talked about Cooper Energy. I mean, the, the idea of a the thematic of saying I want to invest in uranium mm. because it's, it's going to be a big thing. Makes sense. It does make sense. And look, I'm totally supportive of it. I actually don't believe for a minute that we have any chance of getting to carbon zero if we don't really go back to uh, sure. nuclear. I, don't, I think it's a pipe dream. Yep. Um, so they're not serious you know, in my view, but it's not happening yet. Everyone, yeah. the, the commentary is still very much politically that oh you, you know, it's too expensive. That's the main argument now. It's too expensive, but it's made it's made too expensive with all the hurdles yeah. they put in. But look, we're so far away from and there's a long lead time, no, regardless with uh, any building any reactors, even if you buy kit form ones from Israel yeah. or something, it's still years and years and years. So it's a long way away, I think, before uh, uranium new, new u- uranium stocks that aren't actually producing or are, uh, are producing but not making any money. Have much upside so yeah. it's just i don't know how you can invest in it yeah yeah um it's just not i don't think it's we're any, even close to that personally but yeah yeah and uh, uh and australia they've got up they've got
0: they've got, got land in australia but there's no approvals for that there's no approval they no. can even mine it. and and particularly when you've got boss you've got paladin you've got so many other yeah. uh sort of listed stocks that have projects that are in mothballs. And so a, little, a,
2: little, a little bit of uranium goes out. a long way. I mean, Howard's yeah. talked about it. he's a physicist, yeah. and talking about how the um, it's such an efficient fuel. Yeah. You don't need thousands and you know, hundreds of thousands of tons or millions of tons like you do with uh, lithium and so on. Yeah. So as you said, the mothball ones are going to be much quicker and cheaper yeah. to reinstigate. So you look at the supply and demand, I don't know how you would even do that. Yeah. So you'd have to come up with a pretty Herculean forecast for how many uh, reactors are going to be, or how yeah. many customers they're
0: going to have and all that. I don't see how it's investable. And uh, Scott, sort of, Australia is dubbed the Saudi Arabia of (laughs) uranium. But uh, if the price goes up, the world's biggest uranium mine is Olympic Dam in South Australia that BHP owns, and it would bring it out of both balls in a flash, wouldn't it?
1: In an absolute flash, Crossy. I've looked at ERA, I've looked at Paladin, I've looked at Deep Yellow. (laughs) Here's the Deep Yellow story shares are up 13% since. 2000, so it's 1999. In 24 wow. years, shares are up less than half a percent per year. Now, in the meantime, they went from $0.70 cents to $10, then back to $0.29, cents, then back to $12. Uh, they were back at $0.08 cents in 2016, now they're back to $0.79. Cents. If you've traded it successfully, you probably think it's the best stock in the world. If, if you've traded it unsuccessfully, you probably lost 90% of your money half yeah. a dozen times. Uh, it, it, and it's gone nowhere overall in in that 24 years again door to door right during yep. that time highs and lows you you guys have already summarized it absolutely perfectly this is uh, you know a, a bit like the gas story we talked about at the beginning with cooper if uranium if nuclear is part of the energy story in the future if deep yellow can produce enough it at a reasonable enough cost if the rest of the world doesn't Flood the market, as you say, mate, Olympic Dam and others, with uranium. Uh, others will find it, by the way, as soon as it becomes a credible alternative. So you've got that story going on. Try and do those maths. And then uh, every time you add an if, you go down a level of, of potential reward, right? Again, it doesn't mean you can't speculate. It doesn't mean the share This is an 80-cent share price. It could be eight bucks in a year's time, or it could be eight cents. There is literally no way to know because there is not going to be, to Mark's point, any serious commercialization of nuclear technology for, for ongoing increased power production any time in the next, I'm going to say, decade. Maybe yeah. there are plans announced. Maybe there are reactors announced. Maybe there is, you know, gr- grid-level uh, nuclear here or anywhere else in the world announced at some point. But you, you're literally speculating, gambling on what, some, what might happen in which countries, by how much. It, it's it's a pipe dream. And I get that people want to believe. There's a whole lot of people out there who say, well, it's got to be nuclear, and to, to Mark's point. It's got to be nuclear, so therefore we're going to need uranium. That, that might even be absolutely 100% true, except if governments ignore that or populations, like Australia, routinely say, no nuclear, thank you very much, it doesn't matter how true that that reality might be. If we're just simply never going to do it, we're never going to do it. So it's way too uncertain. Mm. There is literally – there's nothing coming out of this business. It's okay. been all over the place earnings-wise. Uh, made money, I think, once out of the last five years or something. It, it, you know. All right. Uh, it, it Pure, pure, literally, this is the definition of speculation.
0: All right. Uh, what about v- Viva Energy, though, Scott? Samuel wants a view on that good old-fashioned oil. Uh, Australia's second <laughs> exactly. biggest integrated refined transport mm-hmm. fuel supplier. Owns the, the Geelong Refinery in Victoria, of course. Uh, bought Coles Express uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. So a whole bunch of... Uh, and also the Shell-branded... Um, Fuel around the country, eighteen hundred and fifty service stations, something.
1: Astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. This is uh, this is really fascinating too, mate. Because we're talking about different parts of the supply chain, and this one's really fascinating, right? Because this is effectively wholesale and retail. You know, we've talked a lot about production, which about exploration. You know, getting it, making it available. When you're then refining it and then on selling it to either the service stations themselves or selling it through your own service stations to the end consumer, you're in the wholesale and retail game. And so as much as we talk about this as an energy company, and it absolutely is, it's actually probably better looked at as a wholesale or retail operation because you're gonna buy it at a fixed price, or sorry, not a, fixed, a given price, you're gonna sell it at something more than that, as long as there's no stupid competition, you'll get a decent margin. You will probably get ongoing volumes. And so we're really looking at the market for consumption of the oil products, effectively petrol and diesel, and that company's ability to maintain a margin doing it, and that's a much more stable, understandable. I won't say forecastable because nothing's exactly forecastable, but you can put, you take a reasonable guess at what this might look like. Now, speaking of which, and speaking of future things, uh, the big risk for these guys is, is going to be the EV revolution. Uh, we've seen Ampol get into their Amp Charge thing, a new mm. one uh, near me on the freeway. Um, you know, they're desperately trying to say, hey, how do we pivot this so when people don't want fill their tanks with with petrol or diesel, they'll stop at our service station, buy your your packet of chips and can of Coke while you plug the car in. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. So the big challenge for Viva at a refining level is, and we know this, by the way, over time, the amount of oil being consumed for transport, at least for, for domestic transport, continues to fall because cars become more efficient over time. Populations aren't growing as fast as cars are becoming more efficient. That means you actually end up having less oil being consumed, and particularly per unit of output. So you kind of got this... Burning platforms too strong. You don't have to necessarily believe in an entire EV revolution to think that three, five, seven, twelve, fifteen, eighteen percent of the, the car fleet becomes an electric vehicle. And then you're having a smaller and smaller market left. They are in a really good position. The refining business in Geelong is a is a almost it's an old monopoly business, let's be honest. Uh, the deal to actually own or, or service those uh, service stations, the, the canopies, is is really good because you end up with that kind of real estate style play. How many we need, uh, how they convert to electric charging is an open question. 12 times earnings for Viva is not expensive. Um, I This doesn't strike me as a growth business. You don't yeah. have to necessarily go particularly quickly at 12 times earnings to to make a buck. Um, but you want to be really careful on valuation here because if you're not growing, valuation becomes even more – it's always important. becomes even more important for, for a modest growth or no growth business. Uh, I, I, probably a hold for me, mate. Um, a little bit cheaper, I might be talked into it, just mm. on, a, on a straight, you know, just kind of cash flow basis, uh, but I don't think there's enough growth there to just buy okay. a higher P.E. So put this down as a whole.
0: Okay. Mark? Uh, share price had a good run. Yeah.
2: Well, it's, well, it, it, you can understand why, because the, it, it's a bit like a, uh, it's like a W, mm. their, their uh, earnings, and they, they did badly in COVID. Yep. Okay. Expected. No yeah. one was driving. Okay. Yep. So, so that's reasonable. Their earnings are now back to where they were in <laughs> 19. Right. So um, and, okay. and they they paid a eight percent dividend in twenty two, uh, which is pretty good. But yeah. that's only one year, and that was an eighty percent payout. Yeah. So it's probably you know I don't know what they say, but they're probably going to be paying regular dividends going forward because it's what you'd expect of a stock like this. Yeah. they I believe they're only supplying ten percent of the total fuel supply within Australia, even though they're uh, the size they are, mm. because most of what we have is imported. Right. Yeah. So, and it's strategic now because we have so few refineries. How many have we got? One or yeah, two? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, it. Uh, you know, we, we we would be up uh, S Creek without a paddle. Yeah. Yeah. If they went, so gets a fair bit in government subsidy. because of. that. And they can probably yeah. play that harder if they try. But yeah. anyway, I, it's, I think it's okay. Um, the debt's fairly high, but it's a very stable, reliable sort of business. We're showing it returning between seven percent on a margin of safety per year for the next five years up to 24% if they can keep their EPS growth right. averaging at 8%, which is what they've done for the last two years. So it's growing at the moment, but it's not the kind of business you would think has, mm. it's not a growth business. No, no. So it's more of an operational business and then they just to make, make that work well. So it's probably going to be reliable. I agree with Scott. I'll, I'll go with Holt. Oh, Holt,
0: okay all right let's recap the first five stocks stock of the day was james hardy after that bumper result announced this morning uh scott and mark are saying uh, it's had a great run even the announcement uh this morning was sort of forecasting a slowing in the united states so they reckon after the big share price jump today, maybe take some profits. Uh, Scott prefers Brickworks in that area. Cooper Energy, a no from both. EZZ Life Signs, a no from both. Scott um, says keep it on your watch list, though. Thorny, a no. Deep Yellow, a no. And Viva Energy, a hold from both. Here on the call, we've been uh, following our own high conviction fantasy funders picked by the investment committee, the... Um, uh, the August committee meeting up on the platform oddsbiz.com right now. Uh, that meeting uh, index was replaced by AUB, the uh, uh, the uh, insurance broking uh, conglomerate. Uh, the committee spent uh, an extra one percent of the cash each on Seek, Altium, and ProMedicus. And uh, let's have a look at this half hour stocks that we're going to go through, Brambles, Horizon, Domino's, Sky City and Coronado Global Resources that also reported today. Um, Mark. James wants a view on Brambles. The, uh, uh, we talk about wise as the, uh, the high-tech logistics group. Brambles is sort of the low-tech logistics Palettes. group, isn't it? Check <laughs> pallets, basically. They got the, but they do have plastic ones now, too. <clears throat> right, yes, they still so. got them?
2: right yeah. <laughs>
0: um
2: look it's a it's a yeah, it's a solid a solid yeah. business nineteen billion market cap and i think it operates in sixty countries or something wow. so it's a it's a it's a very big complex business uh current PE is about twenty one which is at about just above the bottom quartile of its range so it's had it's maintained fairly consistently high PEs. uh debt's pretty high but you know the serviceability is fine i think it's about four times uh, they can cover their debt four times with one year's earnings. Yep. Um, but it's higher than what we normally are comfortable with. We're showing a returning about 2.5% on a margin of safety at the current price mm-hmm. and about 14% per year um, on our default measures, which is, you know, Mediocre, let's call it that way. Yep. Return on equity is terrific, uh, 23%. Return on capital is only 11, and that's because it adds the debt into it. Right. So we have a minimum return on capital of 10, so it still passes. So yep. uh, EPS growth rates average 9.4% over the last six years, which is pretty good. So look, it's, a, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, paying 2.7% yield. For me, um, it's, I'd want to buy it. If, if, if I was going to buy it, I'm not, because I just don't find it very exciting, um, it would have to be at a lower. Right. P. I'd want to get 10% on a margin of safety. Put right. it that way. And to get 10% on a margin of safety, I can I can tell you what that would be discreetly. Well, talking amongst yourself. <laughs> uh, 10% <laughs> on a margin of safety, the share price would need to be nine dollars eighty six. Right. Okay. It's currently fourteen oh five. Yeah. yeah. So look, that's not impossible, by the way. It's, it's, uh, it could easily go down to that. And then when, if you can buy it well enough, these are the kind of companies then actually will give you sure. a decent return at a dividend level
0: and you've got some upside. And as we price. saw from that chart, it does get down to that yep. level. Not well, not for a while. Uh, 947, about 18 months ago. It got yeah, there. that's right. Five year high at the moment. Uh, Scott, uh, that's a, a pretty good looking chart. What do you think of Bramble's going forward though?
1: It is, mate. It's a pretty good looking business. Mark's given a really nice summary of it. So I can't add much to that. What I what I would just I'm gonna put two 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 things in front of your viewers. The first is this is a P of nineteen odd times earnings. So so that's expecting a a decent amount of growth, right? And if you look at the last couple of years, the growth looks okay. Probably is that flatters the business because going back to twenty eighteen, five years ago, and earnings are only slightly less than they are today. So if you took a five-year look and said, hang on, earnings are pretty much Flat, you up a touch, right? So maybe 5%, 10%, maybe over that five year period. Um, okay, so that's happened. I'm paying 19 times earnings for a business growing at a couple of percent a year on average over that period. Those numbers simply don't compute. And so back to, to Mark's point, the, the margin of safety idea, wanting to pay a decent price, um, this, is a, this is a very, very decent uh, core kind of you know, portfolio cornerstone position if you wanted to have one. It's going to have a, an ongoing business. Pallets are, with, along with containers, um, the, the lifeblood, they are the you know the arteries, the the capillaries of the of the global transport shipping system. That's just the way these things work, and that's not going to change anytime soon. In my view, if it starts to, of course, you can always sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is it's very very likely that Brambles has a a very strong long term story here. They have tried to go pallets, they are plastic. They've tried to go GPS tracking. Every now and again, they have to write down because they lose a whole lot of them and realize they haven't got the stock. Um, so they, they have tripped over their own feet quite a few times. Mm. It just makes that nineteen times earnings <laughs> too much to pay. It was really, really, really stable with, you know, twenty plus years of really concrete earnings. You think, Okay, well the market will always pay up for it. It's always been really stock standard, no surprises, no disappointments. I guess like maybe you can stretch to nineteen if I, you know, close my eyes and, yeah. and hold my breath. Um, it's just too expensive to pay for a business that is uh, mo- only a modest growth business because it's it's got this global chokehold, right? When you know, uh, I've talked about Coca-Cola Amateur before. Back in the day, I owned Coca-Cola Amateur shares, and I get everything right except for the fact there wasn't enough growth left. A high quality business, great cash flow, really great business, except it wasn't growing because where else? Where can you not get a coconut in Australia? <laughs> and the same is true of Brambles, right? Yeah. Where, where can you not get a Shep pallet? Doesn't mean they won't grow modestly as in the developing world or or as trade continues to grow. Um, but where's the growth come from? It's not so much their fault they can't grow because they're doing as much as they can. Literally, it's the market who's saying we're going to pay a lot yep. for that modest growth business. It's just too much. So yeah. I agree with Mark. It's strong hold for me. If you own it, absolutely hold on to it. Um, if you don't, you want to, you want a meaningfully cheaper price. I don't have an absolute number somewhere closer to Mark's number. I think it's probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, you know, low double digits, high single digits is what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, students seem a bit better healed these days, so they're not taking the <laughs> chip pallets as coffee tables, are they, in their flats? That's right. Like we used like to the do. Old, uh,
1: the old <laughs> cool Brewster cafe in the inner city. not see a few pallet chairs around there, so maybe that's for you. <clears throat> exactly, exactly.
0: All right, uh, still on logistics, but from pallets to, uh, uh, to rail lines, Daniel wants a view uh scott on horizon the big rail freight operator mainly in the coal space um and uh it's got the world's largest coal rail network um what do you think of Verizon?
1: yeah and this is another one it's not so dissimilar we, we've got the a theme now with brambles yeah. and, and kind of the eva before it we've got this this kind of logistics business, this kind of you know saturated yeah. market, supplying a known quantity, uh, trying to work out where you get growth from. That's kind of the same story with Horizon. I'll start by saying up front, it's a hold. So let me put that out front so we can tick that one off. Yeah. But the the, the challenge with Horizon is, look. so by the way, if you're an income-seeking investor, you also might want to look at it. It's 5% fully frank dividend yield for, for a pretty sustainable, pretty understandable business. Um, there are many worse companies to own an income portfolio than Horizon. But at 17 times earnings, Again, it's one of those businesses you just ask yourself, where does it get the growth from? Now, maybe there's a bit more coal comes out of the ground, although it's open questions whether we'll have more coal mines uh, signed off by governments around the country and and federally. So are you going to bet on that? Probably not. Um, They've got take-or-pay contracts, but again, how long do they last when they roll over? Uh, What's the new contract look like? The infrastructure is in place. That's good in the sense that uh, you'd have to recreate that infrastructure, so it is a good – piece of a a good asset to have. They're largely monopoly style assets in those areas. Um, But you are reliant on volumes because big, big capital, uh, heavy uh, capital intensive businesses have very strong operating leverage. A little bit of sales upside, great profit upside. A little bit of sales downside, massive profit downside Mm. because you end up with that massive fixed cost. I like the horizon business. They're doing their level best to do what they can with what they've got. Sales, sorry, profit has been absolutely dead flat for years. So this is, again, to Mark's point, you said, you know, this is not a growth business, an operational business. I like that phrase. That's exactly what you're getting with horizon. Um, I like the dividend yield. I don't mind the core business. Be mindful. There is a probably uh, at some point it, it ends up with peak freight, and then that freight drops away if and as governments decide we want fewer coal mines. Uh, so just just keep very, very well aware of that risk to your investment if you're buying it. Uh, I can't buy it at 17 times earnings. Yep. I do like the 5% fully frank dividend yield. If you want an income portfolio, you, want, you know, I've said millions of times, you've got lots of banks, sell some of those and buy some Horizon for sure. You want that diversification at the very least, um, but it's not going to be a market beater to my mind from this okay. point. Okay, Mark? Um, yeah, I
2: agree with all that, and the it is, it is, they've got fantastic modes because they own the rail network that yeah. support, supports all the coal mines. I'm not as... Uh, I'm more positive on coal than um, um, I think Scott is in that I don't believe, even though governments say, yeah, rah, 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 you know, bottom yeah. line is it, it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and and they the volume of coal while. being used around the world is going up, yeah, not down. And I don't think there's any risk to uh, that in, in our investing periods. Yeah. You know, and unlike
0: uranium, that. you're not going to have a <clears> massive <throat> amount of supply coming on because governments <laughs> no. won't allow it and banks won't lend it money to it.
2: That's right and some of the coal uh, companies are on ridiculously low PEs compared to their earnings because of the perception that they're they're not going to be there in five years time. I think it's rubbish. So there's a real arbitrage opportunity in energy generally and probably more than anything in coal. Anyway, having said that, I think the company uh, is very very stable although the last three years uh, earnings have been declining. So before that they were growing quite nicely and they uh, are growing at a good rate uh, a bit over 12 percent a year, and then in two nineteen, sorry, in two twenty one they made forty cents. Two twenty one they made twenty nine cents, and last year they made nineteen cents. So it's now right. gone, right? Yeah, three year, three d- data points down, where the earnings have been dropping, which is not encouraging. No. But um, price wise, I totally agree with Scott. It's too expensive. It's at the very, very top of the red for us, which means it's at the top of its PE range. Right. And to buy it in the in the green, which is where we we call our uh, bottom quarter which is $2.60. Gee. So at the moment it's uh, the share price at the moment is um uh 377. Yeah. So if you if it comes down to 260 uh which it probably will by the way that's mm. that's that is its range.
0: Well, us just bring it into their annual range. 260 plus a 5% dividend return then, then, on then, that then that would be well, be better good. than 5%. Uh, yeah. yeah right. It would be up. So it'd
2: probably be like 8% <clears> or something. <throat> yeah. So if you look at if you look at the share price over the last few years um, it hasn't been 260 for a long time, so right. it's been 330
0: <coughs> to 323 in right. 12 months. So it's too expensive. Okay. All right, Joseph, what's a view, Mark, on Domino's Pizza or just Domino's? You'd say this is a fallen star from uh, uh, well over 100 bucks a share now down to the 50s, uh, hammered by a uh, combination of inflation. Um, uh, economy slowing down and increase in minimum wage, is all the bad news over in Dominoes? Uh, and there's
2: other things too, right? <laughs> so there's more than that.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I think, you know, and they're not just here; they, well, it's they're a, overseas it's and, international
2: business. And I think yeah. they've shut the um, is it the Netherlands or Belgium? Well, they're one of the European yeah, countries. The they've shut the whole country down. They bought yeah. it from the liquidator. So it was a pizza chain that had gone broke and they thought we'll give it the domino's kiss yep. and it's going to become really successful. They just burned heaps of money on it and now pulled the blow. Yep. So so they've had a few setbacks. But the other big thing is debt. They've got a debt to equity ratio of 330%. and wow. uh, we've been concerned about their debt for years. And by the way, this... Has mm-hmm. been a wealth winner for Team Invest members. So yep. uh, we 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 were in it for many many years. And Don Mage uh, is very impressive. He's a bit like I won't say I would say a bit like Hamish Douglas. That'd be a bit unfair, but because <laughs> he hasn't done a Hamish Douglas. Right. But yep. you know, He was very much a celebrity CEO. Yep. I remember going to a um, investor uh, bri- uh, so an analyst briefing session a few years ago, and it was it was it, they did everything other than lift him up. And, and and carry him round the room with waving oh. uh, far, uh, fronds, yeah, you know, yeah. and feeding him uh, peeled grapes. Well, it was, when,
0: when it was one hundred and sixty-one dollars, It would
2: have been. twenty-one, and yep. it was like it was. Uh, you're a hero. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's uh, you know, it probably won't get any better than this, and that yep. was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to be a domino shareholder. I got out a long time ago. Um, I think Howard still got it. Right. But the debt issue is really a uh, a big one, and the reason it's a big one is. Don Major's made the comment, oh, we, we're too, we can totally, we're totally comfortable with our debt, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of it is bank debt, which mm. means it's all has probably pretty short maturities, right. typically with bank debt. Banks don't lend money for 20 years. Mm. Yeah, on to comment. So the rates are all going up. So now that we're now, we're talking 5%. When sure. you have a big debt load, this is when it comes home to roost. When rates go up, suddenly, hang on, our serviceability, and when we roll over, and the debt mm. now was, let's say I was paying 3%, I'm now gonna be paying probably 12, 15. Mm. Uh, hang on, what does that do to our profitability and yep. it, it'll smash it. Yep. So I suspect they have a significant headwind on that one. Yep. It's very hard to quantify. It'll be interesting to see what, so whether Scott's done any numbers on it, haven't looked at it. We're showing it returning 14% on default and two on a margin of safety if they can keep going at the current rate. Right. So
0: not for you. No. Scott, are you a bit more optimistic about dominoes?
1: I am because I own shares, let me put that up front. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm in Team Howard, not Team Mike apparently from the sound of it. Uh, But uh, no, look, Mark's absolutely right. Those are the downside risks for sure. Um, the challenge for a lot of stocks and we're kind of getting through it now is trying to get a really straight line read on what's actually happening for consumers the last time we had a clean financial year pre-covid was the 2019 financial year we're in fiscal year 2024 now so you kind of got and and by the way even this current financial year you've got inflation interest rates all that kind of stuff going on you try to say well hang on what is their what is their real core underlying value with the, the share price got way too expensive um plenty of kind of COVID winners, if I can put that in air quotes, went through the roof, you know, back end of 2021, was it? 21. Um, all of a sudden, you know, everything crashes and we're back to everyone's going back to stores. Makes sense, right? Everyone's at home, you're going to order pizza and you order a few less of those the year after. What, is, what does reality look like? We've done a heap of work looking back at some retail exposed businesses. We've taken the 2019 year as our base. And then try trying to say, okay, what if, what if it was normal after that? And you can't, work out changing taste, changing competitive markets, but just to try and get some sort of baseline effect of what is this business really worth, what can it do? Um, I think the – I really like – that. what I like about Domino's is the franchise system. We've seen plenty of franchisees. We mentioned Retail Food Group already. Absolutely screw this up. Domino's, at least while the times have been good, and there's, a, there's an asterisk there – Uh, has made a lot of money for its franchisees. The franchisees largely are pretty happy. They seem to have done the right thing. Occasionally, get the underpayment problem that they've had to deal with as well. Uh, So it's not not squeaky Mm. clean. But that model is really attractive as long as you can continue to get growth because the, the, the more stores you have, the faster you grow, yep. the quicker the pizza gets, and the hotter it is. Guess what? It creates more sales, You put more stores in. And that can continue for a long time. Like we, we originally recommended this back in 2013. Uh, sold it way too early back then. But, you know, the, the growth since then, even at that point, we're saying, well, can they really keep growing? Can we really have more domino stores? The answer has been yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a bull over the long term, mate. In the short term, anyone can guess. We saw restaurant brands in New Zealand out yesterday uh, having real issues passing on inflationary costs. You've mentioned that already, Koshi. Um and, and consumer demand has softened, so I'm not sure the next six months is going to be great for Domino's. But at the current price, I don't think it's a super stretch to get to a much better 2025, 26, 27. Mm. I think from here, it's a, it's a good place, not risk-free, as Mark says. Um, the debt is something we need to be mindful of. The valuation still very high. You have to believe they can keep can keep it okay. and yeah. execute. It's not a 30 30 year still. Thirty,
2: yeah, exactly. P, yeah. okay. Do yeah. so one thing to add, by the yeah. way, Scott brought up inflation. Um, Dominoes were a a case in point where they lifted the delivery charges and so on for inflation and they got massive consumer pushback. So the dollar sales went up a little bit, but the volume of pizzas went down, and which means Mm. the profitability of the franchisees went down. So they were a bit of a canary in the coal mine showing that the consumer was not prepared Mm. to go for uh, small increases in uh, prices.
0: So So you're saying it's a buy?
1: Yeah, buy for me. Right. I would I, okay. I, I buy it, absolutely.
0: Yep. And I'll just throw in, Scott, you are talking about the Much Malign Retail Food Group. Um, uh, a month ago, uh, Mark put that in as a speculative buy. I did. And what's happened uh, since then? Uh, very good. Yes. Has um, it gone on? Uh, nah. uh, I no, know. I don't know. I no, know. I have put it on my watch list and it's a, I'll just bring it up today, see how it's going right now. Um, no, it's about the same. Five cents. Okay, okay. all right. Give it time, though. Um, <laughs> franchise model. Uh, the rationale for that, Scott, was that they, have mm. new management, paid all their their fines and all their compensation clean slate. All right, Sky City. Uh, Andrea Scott wants a view on Sky City Entertainment, um, New Zealand and Adelaide uh, casinos, oh, entertainment venues, Queenstown in um, in New Zealand as well.
1: So we had a recommendation on, I think, two of the three Mm. casino companies. Mm. We never recommended Star, but we had a recommendation on Crown and Sky City back in the day. And part of that was... I don't mean to be too tried. To I certainly wasn't this simplistic, but the house is supposed to always win, right? And so yeah. you think about the, the, the scale, you know, if you can manage your operations well, you add on some food and beverage, add on some accommodation, these things should be a license to print money, generally speaking, at least that's the theory. In reality, they simply don't deliver that sort of result for investors over time. Combination of regulation, competition, I would say competition, think about Australia, right? A million, A million and one pokies yeah. around the country. Um, you know, Sports betting, online, everything else. It's a very, very difficult business to actually take money out of, despite the, the trope of you know the house always wins. So uh, the, the challenge for Sky City, I think, is being able to constantly grow its business, take advantage of those scale advantages within the current infrastructure before having to add more. You can kind of add, you know, fill more tables, you can fill more, mm. more rooms. Then you've got to grow again by adding more capital investment to get that next leg of growth. And you start from zero again. You fill up that next leg and go from there. It has been a really disappointing operationally, uh, operation sorry, uh, as, a, as an organization, as a business. Uh, I want to like it. I want to I believe these guys can make it work because of that idea that the house always wins. Sometimes you've got to believe your eyes, right, rather, rather than believe in the theory. At the moment, by the way, it's a P of 25 times, too. So the market's expecting a lot just to justify the current price let alone growth from there. I, I don't think it's a particularly high-quality business. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily only Sky City, by they look at Star, look at Crown. Mm-hmm. These have been really tough businesses for years. Expecting that turnaround in a hurry is I think a, a okay. bit of a heroic assumption. So no, too not expensive, not high enough quality, give it a miss. Yep. Mark? I think
2: the problem was when the, they went legit. <laughs> You
0: can't (laughs) say that. When the the mafia used to run it, they used to make (laughs) make packet loads of money. Okay, all right. You know, uh, that's not the investment recommendation, bring back the mafia into casinos. Well, right. I can tell they could,
2: they could definitely do it better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the methods might be a bit different, but anyway, and they didn't have the bureaucracy, right. I don't think. That's okay. the other thing. No. Okay. Um, no, I think it's too, too expensive. We, we, we're showing a 2% return on a margin of safety, which is, it's still on a 30 PE. It's, it's just way too high. Right. Uh, e, EBS growth rates averaged 7.8 over the last mm. six years, it's been off for the last two. Sure. Uh, somewhat, but look, it's just, it's, it's, they, I agree with Scott. They just, there's a history of not being able to get decent returns consistently yeah. out of the casino businesses. Yep. And also, uh, apart from the governance issues that they all seem to go through. Well, they got all that as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that hasn't helped. So even no. though there were a lot of them were cheating as in doing all these things against the rules, it still didn't make any money. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, final stock. Um, Ethan um, wants to be on Coronado Global Resources. Mark, very um, timely. Uh, Coronado um, Resources uh, share price down 10% today after an update this morning. Disappointing earnings update, rising costs, smaller than expected dividend um, for the coal miner and uh, says high costs associated with global inflationary pressure, uh, lower year to year sales and the Queensland government's royalty that they whacked on all Queensland coal miners.
2: Yes, and you've got to admit that is a significant deterrent. Uh, if you're going to invest in coal, you'd be going to New South Wales, yep. Not, yep. New, not Queensland. I mean, yep. it's uh, th- this is a really bad trend, by the way. You know, we're, yep. we've got
0: governments changing the rules all the time. We are, but not normally in Australia. Everyone talks about sovereign risk of miners yeah. with uh, right. assets in West Africa and stuff like that. And we're trying to, we're trying to do it like too. yeah, we're going to yeah. go. Ha ha! You're making money, so we're going to gouge you. Um, in fact, it saved Queensland's budget deficit. Basically, yeah, but, it, but, it's, but it's very short. It's very surplus. short term.
2: Yes, thinking. Yes, yeah, I So I think it will guarantee that they will get less capital invested in Queensland yes. going forward. So would you, would you invest? in uh, Well, if, you, if I look at look at the business, it's it's only been listed since two eighteen. Um, it's got an eleven percent average EPS growth rate. It had a big drop down in twenty, and then jumped back up. Its um, stability is the problem, so it doesn't pass our stability measures. Right. We wouldn't we wouldn't invest in it. Yeah. The range I'm showing is 3.2 on a margin of safety per year and 24 on default, okay. because the PE is actually um, uh, pretty low. pbb it's paying 5.6% yield and PE is currently 3.14 trailing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is very cheap for a, on for a dollar of earnings. Yeah. Uh, but I gave you the range, big
1: range. Yep. Okay. Too
0: Scott, hot, would you invest in it?
1: Oh, no, I, I want to have a longer conversation about this one at some other point, Koshy. The challenge for me is what these call companies do with the capital that they're uh, keeping. These are the low PEs. If they're buying back shares or something else, they become the the ultra of the Philip Morris uh, of the Australian kind of stock market over the current and <laughs> yeah. future decades, right? Because that's what they did for years. Um, so this is, it is cheap now, not as cheap, by the way, after profits fell by two thirds. So take that into account. But even after that number, which has literally been released while we were an air, I think, um, it's still a single digit PE. If you owned that business yourself and you redeployed that capital smartly, you could make a fortune-owning Coronado and the other coal miners as well. If you don't, if you waste that capital, you redeploy it badly, maybe they're stranded assets, maybe they're not. That's why it's a longer conversation. Um, uh, no, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a Solpats fan from way back, Koshi, you know that. If I'm going to go mm. coal, I'm going to go New Hope. I think they're the best-run coal miner in the country. Um, I don't own shares, but I do own shares in Sol Pats, so I kind of indirectly own some New Hope. Uh, if you're going to do it, that's what I do, because I, I, I have a, a very large degree of faith in their capital allocation skills and oversight. Right. That, for me, over anything else mm. at these cheap prices is good the point. number one consideration. Yep.
0: All right. Very good point. Uh, we got a dash, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Thank you, sir. Good to have you back. All we'll safe and from, start, from the back. travels. Uh, Mark Mullin from best Team Invest. Good to yep. see you, Mark. Brett. Thank what you. Uh, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Brambles, a hold from uh, from Scott. Uh, for market, would need to get down to about $9.86 to get a proper return on, um, on, on your money. Uh, Horizon, a hold from... Uh, Scott, but if you're an income investor, consider it pays a good dividend. Um, a no from Mark, but if it got down to around 260, you'd be interested. Dominoes a buy from uh, Scott, a no from Mark, and a no from both from Sky City and Coronado Global as well. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel here on the call. Uh, go to osbiz.co forward slash call or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle more of osbiz after this with the pulse